Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Carland and welcome to What Happens Next. In this episode, we've gathered all the practical tips from our experts about taking advantage of this acceleration in digital healthcare and how we can make it work for all of us. The pandemic has driven the shift, but it hasn't actually created the products or the platforms that we're using. It's just enabled their utilisation. The science tells us that unless you address the root causes, which are often environmental and social, you are only going to get more and more um, health challenges. In 2015, The Lancet published uh, an Ebola commission identifying that the world was not prepared for a pandemic. And that was five years ago. Maithri Guna-Teleka is an Associate Professor in Global Health in the Faculty of Medicine, Health and Nursing at Monash University. For the past 15 years, Maithri has worked as a clinician and public health worker in both Australia and Eswatini in Sub-Saharan Africa. Let's hear from Maithri Guna-Teleka. Hi, my name is Maithri Guna-Teleka. Uh, I'm a GP and I'm an Associate Professor in Global Health at Monash University. Dr. Maitri, thank you so much for joining us. What would be your advice to anyone who might want to understand planetary health better? Where do they start? Well, look, I mean, I work at Monash, so I would say uh, <laughs> the School of Public Health and the um, MSDI, which is the Sustainable Development Institute, um, they've got some fantastic resources on um, their websites. Uh, there's a, a brilliant um, sort of document that came out called Our Future on Earth. But if you just Google that, you can um, access, it's really accessible. It's easy. It's got lots of pictures and which I like. And, uh, and, and it's got really easy to understand explanations of things around planetary health. There's a planetary health alliance. Um, but I think really what we can do, um, what everyone can do to address planetary health is to understand that health is not limited to a hospital and mm. to a, or a clinic, that health is the domain of all of us because it is this environmental disruption, it is this social disorder which is actually creating and exacerbating the health issues that we're seeing. And so if all of us take responsibility for that, for not just advocating for it, for it, but for being a part of that, but understanding that every time that you work towards creating social justice, every time that you work towards improving climate change and, and, and improving environmental sustainability, you're actually improving health outcomes for your country and your world. That's how we begin. My three, this was so interesting. Well, Thank I you so much for your time. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure, Susan, all the best. Lowe, a senior research fellow at the Monash Sustainable Development Institute, has been responsible for global and planetary health commissions and has worked for Doctors Without Borders across the world. Let's hear from Selena Lowe. I'm Selena Lowe. I'm a senior research fellow at the Monash Sustainable Development Institute and my other life, I'm a consulting editor to the Lancet Medical Journal, uh, based out of London. And there I commission work on planetary and global health. What would your advice be to anyone who wants to better understand what planetary health is? Um, 
you, you know, where, where could they start? Yeah, I, um, I get asked that question a lot because planetary health um, as a concept has been around for years, like back to the 1940s, you can actually find um, literature that um, uses this terminology. But um, it was in more recent times in, in public health, at least in global health, birthed, so to speak, in a um, Rockefeller Foundation um, funded Lancet Commission report led by Andy Haynes of the London School um, in 2015. And it brought together a number of scholars um, from very different disciplines to look at um, um, the challenge of um, human health and um, the natural world um, on which um, humans depend on. The definition of planetary health is um, quite specific and I think it's sometimes misunderstood. Um, not so much the definition, but we've, we forget it as um, um, we go along. But the original definition of the commission is the health of human civilization and the natural world on it depends. So it's, it's actually more than you know, health and even health determinants, but it's civilization, um, you know, human civilization. So the way we organize ourselves, um, um, the kind of cultural and systems um, inputs that we put into human civilization. And the, the tenets of um, planetary health are um, intergenerational equity, so the um, report, the original report argued and showed that we have really done well on many indicators, child survival, maternal mortality, and even infectious diseases over the last 50 to 100 years. But we've kind of mortgaged off the future of our children and grandchildren's health because um, our activity, human activity on the planet, um, is um, um, hurting these um, so-called um, planetary boundaries by which, in, in which human um, health and survival um, is best able to, um, um, to exist. And um, the other um, important principle of um, planetary health is relying very much on transdisciplinary um, uh, research, training, but also transformation. And transdisciplinary by nature, as you know, is about transformation. It's not just about bringing different interdisciplines together to address a problem, but it's in that process to transform both our understanding and our approach. So it's really seen as transformative. And there is kind of a time urgency limit on it because even going beyond the sustainable development goals, um, which is um, until 2030, planetary health is talking about intergenerations. And then the last principle I'd probably want to emphasize, but you know, people can, I think, you know, readers can certainly investigate themselves, is um, on the notion and the definition of civilization. Um, uh, we don't um, really link too much to these words anymore in, in health, except maybe through some of our political and social determinants. But um, there is a lot of um, scope for. Um, defining this. And I would say right now, in the context of where we are in COVID, we've actually been asked by civil, uh, by civil society to define our legacy for civilizational health. And um, that would be um, very local examples, defunding of arts and um, humanities, education and the sector. Um, we need the arts um, for our well-being and thriving. 
uh, WHO only last year um, published an excellent review citing over 900 publications showing the benefit of arts and health and well-being. But um, I, um, I mean, people, I don't have to argue to um, people from the arts and humanities, but it's also important for societal well-being as well. Um, but also with the um, um, Black Lives Matter um, uh, movements um, all across the world, you know, civil society is asking us to um, look at um, uh, racism and disparities and um, institutional racism um, once and for all, please. And um, not to um, address this is, is um, it's, I mean, I won't go so far to say is that it's ignorant <laughs> because it certainly is, but it's also losing opportunity to, um, you know, really co-create um, a present and future that is um, not only going to uh, uh, determine um, uh, societal well-being, but will really, um, as we've known for years, speak to the core of all these um, determinants of health that we've been struggling with for so many decades. So in terms of where you could go for um, um, understanding, there's um, the, the work of this of, of The Lancet, um, the journal that um, launched Planetary Health. Um, there is a new journal now called Lancet Planetary Health that um, for all interdisciplinary researchers interested in this, because they applied not just to health, but all of the um, SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, um, so everything from gender to um, energy use and land use to human rights is covered there, but the journal will um, take um, submissions um, from across the board. But also there are networks now in the world um, looking at planetary health. There's a network, it's mainly North American um, and Northern Euro and Europe, um, coming out of Harvard called the Planetary Health um, Alliance, um, based out of Harvard University. Uh, there are also discussions um, here at Monash actually um, 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 to um, build um, um, different alliances and, um, and I'm involved with discussions in Asia on, um, uh, and with MSDI on um, uh, various um, centres uh, that will be promoting planetary health from Hong Kong um, to Korea to Singapore. Um, Indonesia and, other, and in the Pacific as well. There, there's a lot of work that is um, labeling themselves in, in, in this kind of terminology. So it's, um, it's, it's quite good um, at the moment. Um, the challenge is to you know, implement things fast enough that um, you know, we can be useful. Selena Lowe, lots to think about there. Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Thank you so much, Susan. That was a pleasure. Chris Bain is a Professor of Practice in Digital Health in the Monash Faculty of Information Technology, the first to ever hold this role. He leads the university's efforts in digital health, working with faculties and institutes across the university, as well as with a range of health industry partners. With more than 30 years experience in the health industry, including 12 in clinical medicine, Chris sees incredible potential for innovation and change for the better in healthcare delivery. So hi, uh, my name is Chris Bain. I'm the Professor of Practice in Digital Health uh, at Monash University. It's the, the first job of its kind in the university. So I lead our efforts around digital health research and to some extent work with others around education around digital health. 
and my background's heavily actually been out in healthcare for about 27 years in Victoria and then in the university for the last three years. there who are listening who are perhaps interested in any, any aspect of digital health you know telehealth but beyond uh, but yes. maybe you're a little uncertain about it or wondering how could they make better use of it either as patient mm. or as practitioner yes. what's some yes. simple advice you could give to them yeah so certainly for the community I think especially at the minute it's really important people listen to the advice of their healthcare professionals both they know the ones they know personally but even the advice coming out of health departments uh, including around digital health and things like telehealth. Um, there are a few players who come into the marketplace who are spruiking services who uh, I think you know understandably are using this as an opportunity to get people to try new things I'd be a little wary about, you know, not for, for consumers in particular and patients, making sure those sort of things are either auspiced by their treating GP or their specialist and they don't necessarily um, go themselves to something that looks attractive, especially at the minute. It's a slightly different conversation afterwards. Um, there are places in Australia, so there's the Australian Australasian uh, Institute of Digital Health that I'm affiliated with and many of us in this area are. I'm sure they're happy to take questions and queries from people, even from the public, about uh, digital health in Australia and what it represents. In terms of healthcare professionals, um, I think, I mean, they're doing their job and they're doing a really good job under tough conditions and where things like digital health and telehealth have been made available to them, they have the means to engage with those things. I guess I'd encourage them to reflect more than anything. So... You know, as hopefully Victoria catches up to the rest of Australia and some relative normality comes back is think about what that's been like. Think about the good and the bad of that. Think about things you would have done differently. Think about uh, opportunities that were missed so that when we have that collective conversation afterwards, we're in a really good place to contemplate the future of healthcare in Australia and the future of digital health. They were really good tips. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, Susan. My pleasure. Kathy Reid is the co-founder of Australia's Epic Group, including Epic Pharmacy and Epic Good Foundation, and the co-founder of Icon Group, and she's passionate about new health solutions. She's also a Monash alumni from the Faculty of Pharmacy and Pharmaceutical Sciences. Let's hear from Cathy Reid. Hi, my name is Cathy Reid. I'm the co-founder of Australia's Epic Pharmacy Group and also co-founder of ICON Group, which includes ICON Cancer Centres and Slate Health Chemotherapy Compounding. Um, and with it, I've had a long interest and passion, I guess, for the role that digital health and digital technology can play in the delivery of health services. What would be your tips for people about how they can take advantage of these changes, either as patients or maybe the health practitioners we have listening? How can they take advantage of the changes that we're seeing swirling around in this time of COVID? Um, and how can they better embrace the opportunities that, that might be presented to them? 
Look, I, I think from a consumer perspective, it's to make sure that your healthcare practitioners know how whether whether you enjoyed the experience, whether it was better for you. you know, mm. Did it actually make your life easier not having to come into the surgery all the time? Can you reach a compromise essentially with your doctor? If the doctor's preference is that you return to face-to-face, can you actually say, well, you know, it, it was easier for me to be at home and I actually felt safer because I wasn't exposed to potentially other patients with other potentially infectious conditions in waiting rooms. Yeah. I actually like seeing you by telehealth. Could, could we please continue that? So I think the patient's actually have making the ask and making sure that their doctors knew whether they did or didn't enjoy it and what they would like to do going forward. I think equally mm. for doctors asking, having those same conversations back with their patients and asking them what they thought of the experience, were they, you know, if they were using any tech to help them monitor their condition, whether it was your know, blood pressure monitoring or diabetes monitoring or some of the cardiac monitoring or some of the million different apps that you can use to help assess your mood and your sleep and, and all of those other pieces, what they've having those conversations to say, was this helpful? was the way that we were actually interacting with sharing that information and me giving you feedback and designing what your care plan was based around that, is that something that we can continue with going forward or are you more comfortable going back to where we were? But I think that's where, I think the the biggest thing is just to be having those conversations and neither party to be making assumptions about what it has to look like going forward. Right. And I think maybe also often um, as patients, I think perhaps we're reluctant or don't even feel that we can make those sort of requests. We just sort of, I don't know, pliably go along with whatever is given and and don't realize we can actually say to the doctor, you know, can we try this a different way? I've got a family member who's um, who has cancer and her oncologist is a two hour drive away from her. She needs to see her oncologist relatively recently just to talk about her latest test results. But during lockdown, she did do that by telehealth because she doesn't need to see the oncologist in person. He doesn't examine her. He just looks at the yeah. test results, which get sent to his office anyway. And it saved her a four hour round trip. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I think that's the thing for pa- patients really need to be, like you say, feel confident enough to be able to put that forward as a request. Ideally, their healthcare practitioners should be having the conversation and asking Mm. them if they want that. But if they're not being offered it, they should feel comfortable and confident enough to put their hand up and go, you know what, we did this because of the COVID restrictions, but it actually really worked for me and I'd really like to continue that. Can we please do that going forward? Because I really feel it was beneficial to my health. Yep. Great advice. Kathy Reid, thank you so much. You've given us some really useful things to think about. Welcome. Thanks, Susan. And that is a wrap for our third series of What Happens Next. Why don't you go and give us a generous rating in the iTunes ratings area? It'll make you feel good and us even better. I hope to see you in the future when we tackle more pressing issues of our time. But until then, wear a mask and take care.